the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Well, welcome once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Evening Power Hour. Uh, We do this every weekend on AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Uh, Jeff Sennis is our engineer. Andrew Herdliska is our producer. And uh, my guest in the first half hour is Lance Easley, uh, replacement ref during the NFL referee strike of 2012. Uh, He's written a book. It's called Making the Call, Living with Your Decision, endorsed on the front cover by Tony Dungy. Uh, In Making the Call, says Tony Dungy, Lance Easley tells how his decision on one play changed the course of a football season, how the reaction to that call changed his life, and how his faith in Christ helped him make sense of it all. Uh, Nice to chat with you, Lance, and thanks for joining me. Thank you. Likewise. Uh, let, let's go back and uh, set the scene here for this call. Uh, walk us through it. What's going on here? Well, it's a end of the game situation, a, a hail mary uh, type situation. The only last ditch effort for Seattle as they were behind uh, Green Bay at their at their place at, in in uh, Seattle, um, and it, and it was interesting because it really wasn't a typical hail mary because they were so close to the goal line. They were only on the 24-yard uh, line, so that made the play even more interesting with eight seconds left in the game uh, because there were more scenarios that they could bring into it. Anyway, uh, Russell Wilson rolled out. I had one man on my side of the field, Golden Tate. He came down in the end zone. Uh, there were trips at the other side, which usually that's where they're going to throw it on a Hail Mary-type situation. And However... That didn't work out, and Russell Wilson rolled to my side, threw the ball up in the air. Um, there was a man crossing the goal line, a tight end, right in front of me. It went over his head and went into where Golden Tate was, and there were five other defensive players. They all went up to grab the ball. Um, I thought they were going to bat it down, and when they didn't, I, I looked up and I just said, oh, no, this is not good um, because they're going to try to possess it all of them, and, and they came down. It was one big pile of, of bodies. Um, I, I just prayed. I said, God, when I get over to that pile, I just hope one man has that ball. That didn't work out either. There were two men that possessed it, equal men, equal strength. They were wrestling around on the ground for it. My partner and I looked down at it. We looked at each other. I said to myself, I better I better go up, and, and with the touchdown here, we're going to talk about it. I still have the same call. I don't want the because we were in the replacement rest, I do not want the uh, criticism of the national media and, and the guys up in the booth just tearing us up with the Jeopardy music playing. So that's where we ended, with a touchdown Seattle, and the game was over. Hmm. And what was your life like immediately after that? Uh, immediately afterwards? Um, right afterwards, it, it, it was pretty intense because... Uh, we knew something major had happened on the field. Um, we went back to the hotel. My phones were ringing off the hook. I, I reviewed the rules, talked to my uh, my partners. Um, it was just a, such a strange call, or, or actually a play itself. And I called the NFL office the next morning, and uh, they said they'd never seen the play before. Um, and come to find out, it's never been never happened in NFL history. It's a one-time event, just like the Immaculate Reception and some of the other odd plays we've seen through the years how did you um, how how were referees picked uh, during that period of the of the ref strike i mean how did, how did you end up in this whole thing um uh, right after uh as far as us getting chosen we were 
uh, contacted by the NFL. Most most everybody that was contacted were college officials, retired college officials, um, and, and the NFL has a good list on everybody. They they know who who everybody is, so they just emailed out uh, to the people like myself and had a tryout. Um, they they contact us. We had to go through background checks, all that, and, and then they had us come and, and do a tryout. And then they selected out of that group, uh, you know, the, the, the officials that they would have work on the field. So after this game, uh, Lance, uh, what happened? How long did you keep refing? And, and, and uh, did that game trigger the return of the regular refs? What, what happened in the weeks after here? Well, they did resolve the uh, the labor dispute midway through the the week um, following that that play that call. Um, I don't know if it triggered. Nobody's ever told me that one way or the other. Um, however, uh, you know my life changed drastically because uh, on Wednesday morning uh, the media was completely intense. Uh, not not just. The social media, Facebook, Twitter, all that, but also uh, at my house. My wife was at home. I was in another town with my regular job doing training, and uh, the media was all over our line, lawn besides everything. We were in lockdown for about a week following this event. Um, but and, and every late-night comedian, even uh, the president of the United States, and they were running the election back then, his, uh, Ryan, Mitt Romney, and president, they were all talking about it. It was everywhere. It, there was nowhere to hide. Mm. Mm-hmm. You're a banker in your real life, aren't you? Yes. And 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 how is how is your banking life after this? Um, it, it was interesting. Um, really, in my community, and and one of the things I speak about in my book, and when I when I do my public speaking, is about how intrusive. Um, things can be on your life with the media, today's media, and the social media and everything. So people were pretty aware of what happened. I, my face was everywhere and my clients were aware, but I didn't really have any skeletons in the closet, nothing going on. The media dug and dug and dug, trying to find some dirt on me to, to throw me under the bus. And really they couldn't come up with anything. It went all the way back to my childhood, talking mm. to people. I, I got calls from people that I hadn't talked to for 30, 40 years saying, hey, you know what, the media called me and, and you know, trying to dig something up. And some of them don't even follow sports or really even the TV. They didn't even know what had happened. And, uh, and very, very strange. But as far as my, my job itself, um, you know, I just had to get through the, the onslaught there for about a week. And my, my, my job was very uh, uh, cooperative with that and very understanding. Um, and then just move right along with life and, and uh, you know, just – some changes. Uh, as far as the officiating thing, I came back, took a little bit of a break, but the high school unit that I was a part of here on the Central Coast of California, they uh, are always needing good officials. Uh, every Around the country, everybody needs good officials. Um, there's just a lack of people doing it, uh, which is really at the heart of why I went in the NFL to begin with or, or accepted it because I was working on a documentary film about officials. I wanted to give people an inside look to see what a regular high school official goes through. What does his life look like? Uh, who are these people? You know, are, they're bankers just like me. They're, they're uh, gardeners. They're uh, school teachers. They're, they're regular folks just like everybody else. Uh, but people just have no idea uh, how the process works. Lance Easley... Uh, the referee uh, making the call, living with your decisions. Uh, Barber Books uh, uh, put the book out. Uh, where did your faith fit into all this, Lance? Well, that from the, the beginning, middle, and end, and still going strong. Um, without my faith, I, I really don't know I, I, how I would have survived the whole thing. Um, that's something, being a person of faith, throughout it, it's hard to say, well, what would it have been like if I wasn't a person of faith? But I just know how much I leaned on it. And the people that came into my life during this, uh, like James Brown from CBS Sports, calling me trying to get an interview, and, and I was sharing with him about uh, the persecution that the early church suffered, and that being a Christian, that you know a Christian should expect some persecution. Otherwise, maybe... You know, not everything's right with their their own walk. That uh, that you know, if you're not pushing the, the envelope, Satan uh, he's pretty unhappy with you, and, and, and you want to be making a difference. So, James Brown, I shared with him. I said, "Yeah, I, I expect persecution." He said, uh, 
praise God, I did not know you were a Christian, and found out he was an ordained minister, and mm-hmm. uh, and then he introduced me to Coach Donji, and and you know the, we do a Thursday Bible study uh, every every week since then. They were doing it before, but they invited me to it, um, and and so that, I have a long time relationship. So out of the midst of trials and tribulations, uh, not only can a person find who, what their faith is like, and the people that are walking with them, but there are new people that come into their lives um, that are wonderful, and I wouldn't trade for anything. Lance Easley is our guest. Uh, more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Evening Power Hour. It's AM 950 WTLN. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Hello, everybody. Alan Thick here. You know, it takes money to run a country. Your money. And that's why if you owe back taxes, the IRS might garnish your wages. They could levy your bank account, come after your home or business. But truth is, they'd rather settle for less than bother you more. So they have this brilliant program to help if you're behind on your taxes. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative. They're offering this to help you solve your tax problem once and for all. You could qualify for a settlement that's substantially less than before these changes. Nobody knows these tax relief programs better than the experts at Optima Tax Relief. Their attorneys and agents will work to get you the best possible tax settlement. And they're fully accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Don't wait till it's too late. Call Optima for your free consultation. Call 800-711-5743. That's 800-711-5743. 800-711-5743. Some restrictions apply for complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Hello, this is John Butler Book, and I want to cordially invite you to listen to my radio talk show every Sunday evening from 8 to 9 p.m. You know, we suffer from three kinds of individuals in our country today, the misinformed, the uninformed, and worst of all, the chloroformed. I don't want you to become one of those who is misinformed, but informed and spiritually motivated and activated to become a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. On the new 950 WTLN, every Sunday evening from 8 to 9 p.m., I'll wait to hear from you. God bless you. Here is what the students are saying about Reformation Bible College. I love that it's solid learning in the Reformed faith, and so I know that it's going to be coming from a solid position, and I don't have to question my teachers. Being called one of the best Bible colleges in the country, conveniently located in Sanford. And for a limited time, your son, daughter, grandson, or granddaughter can attend RBC for half the normal tuition. Find out more by visiting WTLN.com or by calling 407 682 You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. My guest is uh, Lance Easley. We're talking about his book, Making the Call, uh, about that... uh, controversial call in 2012 Seattle and Green Bay and it was uh, it was quite a time in uh, sports here in our country when that was going on by the way Lance along the through the years did did you ever have great desire to be a full-time NFL ref uh, I had applied uh, earlier uh, right around 2000 2001 somewhere in there I went to an NFL grassroots camp um, and it, yeah it looked like a, a great uh, thing I, I applied, like I said, and wanted to go pursue it. However, I was coaching college football uh, for about seven, eight years at Allen Hancock College. It's a community college in California, actually, where John Madden started uh, coaching, and Ernie Zampezi. Those people who know football know those two names. Um, but uh, so I, I really never expected to have the opportunity. So, what do you do? What do you? Where are you refing now? Is it high school and college? Um, no, I, I decided after the end of uh, that season, following the call in, in uh, 2012, to uh, take a break, and I've extended that break indefinitely. I, I don't know if I'm going to go back on the field uh, or court. I was a uh, full-time basketball official uh, college and uh, high school as well um, on the men's side there, so I'm not officiating at this time. What does it take to be a good ref? Well, it, it takes a lot of, uh, it takes humility for one. Um, it takes a right mindset to go out there and uh, be a servant of the game. Uh, it takes being in shape. 
It takes good judgment. Uh, it takes rules knowledge. Um, it takes a lot of hard work and the ability to handle difficult situations. And I articulate a lot of that inside my book. Uh, people that, that read it and, and want to look into it, I really dig into one section I call it before, during, and after, uh, which my co-author, who is just wonderful, Brock and Bodie Taney, uh, Brock Taney, if any of your listeners know who that is, um, wonderful, wonderful people. Couldn't have done this book without it. But uh, before, during, and after is the chapter that uh, talks about what we do and how we do it. And it really goes into the detail of, of what it's like to be on the field uh, in the NFL or at any other level and how officials do the things they do. The subtitle of this book, Living With Your Decisions, uh, I want you to talk about that, Lance. I want you to talk about making decisions in life. Uh, you do uh, basically a whole p- section on that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think uh, I think that's important for you to share that with us. Well, thank you. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting that my co-author, again, uh, they, him and my editor decided, they said, you know, you need to include this section in the book. Um, I was hoping to be some like Forrest Gump, you know, this is guy and incredible thing, which, which it is like that, the first uh, two sections. But near the end, I get into the decision-making process. And when I, when I do public speaking, I talk about that. Uh, I talk about the decision-making process. And, you know, each and every day, you, me, we all have to make decisions. And sometimes those decisions are going to be unpopular with, with other people. You know, we may have to tell our kids no. We may have to say something, and it's not ever going to be popular. But we still have to make those decisions uh, regardless. And we can evaluate them, and we have to live with those decisions. So we're, we're constantly in our life receiving a call from somebody, it seems like. And then we have to make a call, and then we have to live with the calls we make. So it's a, it's a constant process. So have you been a better decision maker since this football game? Well, um, how, how is your, how has your life changed? How, how in the two years since then, how are you a different person or are you? Well, I, I, I talk about an acronym inside my book because people again, ask me, ask me to speak. And, and I said, you know, when the noise and our lives are, are constant, even if you set aside the, the modern society we live in with, with all the electronic devices and whatnot, life is noisy in, internally and externally. And what I say is you can become uh, deaf to that noise. And the first, uh, the D means decide to stand, don't be a victim. Um, that's an ongoing process. Uh, I, I keep growing in that aspect. There's things that have happened after all of this. Um, people have, have been, you know, really uh, said some terrible things about me. And I've learned to deal with that. But the, the second uh, thing, letter in that is E, embrace stress and pressure because it helps you grow. Just like uh, putting uh, gold in the refining pot or uh, putting a diamond uh, uh, pressure on or pruning a rose bush. You know, we all have to go through that once we make a decision. So that's been a part of it. The decision I made, the decision to, to get in the NFL, um, and then all the stress and pressure that's come from it, it's still it's helping me grow and change. And the, the uh, attitude is the A, adopt a good attitude um, is the A in death. Uh, that's something I can control and I've been dealing with for a long time. Um, in sales and marketing for 30-plus years, and as an official, uh, that's something I can control. I can't. Other people, they make their decisions. I have to, uh, uh, you know, stay calm in the moment. And then the, the, the fourth thing is form a foundation. That's your faith, your family, and your friends. Uh, that's a place where you can stand. And, you know, Matthew 28, we get into uh, uh, talking about the man who, when it's, you don't see the foundation, but when the house and the floods and the storms came, it, it was there, that, that rock, uh, and, and that's my faith, and, and the people around me, the new people. So what have I learned um, through that? What, it, what has happened? It, it's a constant process through, through my life, and it seems that I'm just becoming uh, more refined, more forgiving for other people, um, uh, I should say more loving, more considerate, more compassionate. Those are some of the things that I've taken away and learned in the last year or so um, that, that have been precious and, and new to me in my life. Do you watch the NFL? Or are you a fan? Um, since I, I coached and officiated so many years for NFL and basketball, those sports and golf, and I'm, I'm a 
real good golfer, was almost pro at one time in my in my life. Um, I'm very technical. I, I don't really watch him as a fan. I'm a fan of good play. I'm a fan of, of sportsmanship. I'm a fan of, of some of the people individually, coaches, some of the people that I know in each sport, but not as a team, not not a team. In fact, I just chose to be a fan of a sport. I said, i got to pick a sport I don't know anything about, so I chose hockey. Ah. <laughs> I, cho- I chose the Kings in, in, in Los Angeles. So now they're in game, we have game six tonight with the, with the Ducks, so hopefully they'll be able to pull out a victory. But, you know, that's that's my – but now I still catch myself looking at the officials and I go, man, look at those guys hustle. Wow, that was a tough call. <laughs> so it's it's still interesting. What's more difficult to work, Lance, a football or basketball? Um, well, I would say the, the difficulty in football are the rules, and the difficulty in basketball is more the judgment. My position in, in uh, football as a deep official with the pass interference is very similar to a lot of the basketball because you're, you're moving and you're having to, uh, to keep your spacing and, and the, the pass interference is this advantage-disadvantage type of situation, which we run into in basketball. But uh, basketball, we stop things with the whistle. And, and, uh, and football, you know, the plays kill themselves, really. The ball, the ball becomes dead, and, and that stops the play. So we really don't have to put a whistle on it for the most part. But in basketball, well, that, it's an artwork in basketball. That is a tough deal there. Um, I, I'd say a lot of people say that's the toughest of, of the sports to officiate. So, Lance, if a young young person came to you and said, "I would like to make a career uh, as as a referee, uh, and I don't know what to do here. Uh, do I go to the NFL, the NBA, or Major League Baseball? Uh, which of those three would you steer a, a young person towards?" Well, first thing I would tell them is, is go to their local high school association that they do all those sports mm-hmm. and, and th- that's where you start you go over there and then you know officiate all three of them because <laughs> once you start with one they they want to rope you into the next one they, there's not enough good officials and once you do that and you get a taste for it then you have the opportunity to start going to camps and getting more exposure to the next levels and you know work your self through college uh, put, submit your applications to the other ones, but you will get the opportunity. Uh, my, my 26-year-old son um, was on that whole program. He, he was doing college football and basketball mm. uh, for the age of 25. Now, he's taking a break, and, and uh, you know, I hope this whole situation with, with what happened with me hasn't you know, deterred him, but he's a man, his own man, and he has to make a decision whether he wants to move on with officiating. What does the fellowship of Christian athletes mean to this country? Well, you know, it's probably one of the best kept secrets out there. I just don't know how many people, unless they're people of faith, really know what STA or the fellowship of Christian athletes is about. And interestingly enough, being I've been a Christian, I was saved, uh, and I talk about it in my book, uh, 1985 out of Hollywood. I was an actor after going to uh, UCLA as a broken down athlete. Um, I'd never heard of it. I had this gentleman walk into my, my bank when I was working for another institution and sit down at the desk, and he showed me the card, and I said, wow, what's this? And and I ended up, he said, well, it's, we do this. We go into the high school uh, you know, uh, groups here on every campus, and we have huddles, and you know, give the, op- the kids the opportunity to, to uh, get together and, and uh, worship the Lord. And I thought, wow, this is fantastic. This is right in my wheelhouse. And uh, I became a board member and got very involved with it. And I think it's one of the greatest secrets around the country. And I'm so blessed that we're able to be on so many campuses here where I live on the Central Coast. I think we're on about 25, including the high schools and middle schools um, at this point. Before we uh, run out of time here, I do have to ask you about your time on the Today Show. You do a whole chapter on that, don't you, Lance? What was that like? Um. Well, I, I went there after I, it's funny, went to CBS first, uh, went with Jays Brown, Coach Cower, uh, uh, Dan Marino. Uh, yeah, I think Dan's down there in, in the Florida area. Uh, you know, everybody loves him, probably the Miami Dolphins. Uh, great. And, and those guys going on their show, man, that was the land of the Giants. I'm a big guy, and, and on the football field, my friends even said, boy, you look so small out there. 
<laughs> but then I went over to the Today Show and the next day, and, and it was like I, I entered a whole other world. These guys were, I was uh, towering over everybody, and uh, it, it was kind of interesting. But um, it was, it was uh, you know, everybody was very kind to me and, and generous. Um, you know, my interview with Matt Lauer uh, went, went well as far as I was concerned. Um, he asked questions, uh, whether I, he agreed with my position or not. That's okay. That happens all the time. Um, you know, most people who disagree with what I, I ruled that night, um, they they don't ever come up with the rules and talk to me about it. It's usually I believe, my opinion, I think, I feel. And that stuff doesn't work anywhere, even in many walks of life. You know, you know. You can want uh, to do things in banking. You still got to give me your your numbers, and we have to look at it to make sure we qualify. We don't work on feelings and opinion and hearsay and all that type of thing. Anyway, that, that was it on the Today Show. Went real well. Interestingly enough, that movie Heaven Is for Real is out. I was sitting right there on the same day with uh, Todd Burpo and, and and those folks. Didn't know who they were. Didn't know them from Adam. And uh, talk to them, and they came on the show the same day. So that was interesting. Lance, what do you want people to take from this book? What, what, what are the life lessons here? Well, I want them, hopefully, to get an inside look at what what it is to be in, in an extreme situation, um, going into a, a situation which we all are replacements, if you really want to think about it. You can call me a replacement rep. You drive by the cemetery, and, you know, people have replaced all those folks in their jobs or whatever they do. So I hope people look at it and say, wow, you know, there's opportunities in life in, in all walks. And, and just because I go in and, and somebody brings me in, I don't have to be ashamed of that. And I can be equipped by, you know, being prepared for anything. That's the other side of it. You know, we want to be prepared when I speak to young people. I talked to him about that. You just don't know when you're going to get that call to have the opportunity to do something that you want to do or have you, you've dreamed of doing, and or are you prepared for that? And the, the third thing would be that not everything is going to be easy one way or the other. Life is going to be filled with challenges. Um, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus Christ. He says that, you know, his yoke is going to be light, um, however, we're to pick up our cross daily and follow him. Lance Easley has been our guest. We've got more after this. It's the Pat Williams Saturday Evening Power Hour, AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. What is his name? Jesus. His name is Jesus. Today. Come with me. What are we going to do? Change the world. Own the most important chapter. It's rumored he works miracles. Get up and walk. In the greatest story ever told. Are you the son of God? I am. Believe in me and you will see the glory of God. Son of God. Own it on Blu-ray and DVD today. Rated PG-13. Lumber Liquidators just bought millions of square feet of overstocked, top-quality flooring directly from the mills for their overstock flooring sale going on now. I'm talking gorgeous, pre-finished hardwood for an unheard of 89 cents a square foot. Their thickest and best Brazilian cherry laminate at 99 cents a square foot. Even all Morningstar bamboo is on sale. So go to LumberLiquidators.com right now to find the store nearest you. They've got 20 months special financing available. But hurry, because the overstock flooring sale ends Tuesday, May 27th. Hi, everybody. It's Pete Paquette, your morning host here at the new 950 WTLN. And I'd like to welcome back a computer program here on the weekends, very familiar to our listeners. It's Tech Talk and more. Saturday afternoons at 4 from Palm Tree Computer Systems and Jinx IT. They are the experts on any problem you might be having, downloads, uploads, software, hardware. You've got questions? These experts have the answers. And you never know when you could win something pretty cool. It's Tech Talk and more. Now Saturday afternoons at 4 on the new 950 WTLN and WTLN.com. 
Did you know that there's no retirement in the Bible? Yet many Christians think about their retirement plans regularly. While there's no retirement, there's plenty of redirection. From a Christian financial planning perspective, we should be looking at how we develop our redirection plans. I'm Frank Reynolds, and I'd like for you to join us on Faith, Family, and Finances so we can help you take a look at the best ways to develop your redirection plan. Faith, Family, and Finances with Frank Reynolds. Weekdays at 5 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. on the new 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Lance Easley, our guest in that first uh, half hour, uh, the replacement ref during the NFL's referee strike of 2012 and uh, his book called Making the Call. Uh, Boz Tavigian is with us, uh, Billy Graham's third grandchild. Uh, there's a book out. It's just come out. It's called Thank You, Billy Graham, uh, combined, uh, compiled by three of Billy Graham's grandchildren. And uh, Boz Tavigian is one of those three, and he's our guest. Uh, good to talk to you, Boz. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks, Pat. Tell me how this book came about. Well, Pat, I'm uh, I'm one of I believe there are 19 grandkids, and um, you know throughout the years I have been blessed to have people come up to me, mostly people I do not know, and when they find out that uh, that my grandfather is Billy Graham, uh, oftentimes they'll say, "Do you have a minute? I want to share a story with you," and and uh, undoubtedly they'll share a story about how God used my grandfather's ministry to impact or transform their life. And one day I was talking to some of my siblings about that, and. And they had all experienced the same thing, and we thought, wow, we're hearing all these incredible stories, and we need to figure a way to how to collect them. And some of them are just amazing. And uh, then we start talking and said, you know, there's a, we know a lot about how famous people think about Billy Graham, or we call him Daddy Bill. Uh, but some of, some of the stories we've not heard are, are from the people who filled the stadiums and read the books and watched the television uh, specials. And so we said, how, how do we collect these? And these incredible testimony to the world of God's power through the use of just even one person. And so, long story short, we developed a website called thankyoubilly.com, which is still in operation today, and uh, we just began immediately to collect stories from all over the world. And uh, it wasn't long after that that we started reading some of these amazing stories and said, man, I wonder if there's a way we can we can take at least a good portion of these and put them in a book. Number one, just to honor Daddy Bill, uh, and number two, to perhaps just be a ministry to people who are reading. I mean, these are stories from people from all walks of life, so many different countries. There's bound to be a story in that book that resonates with a reader. And whether the reader's a Christian or the reader's not a Christian, um, you know, prayerfully God can use those stories to uh, to show himself to who's reading the book. And so that's that was sort of the motivation behind it, and uh, we're just thrilled to have been able to hold that together and get this out into the hands of uh, of people. How many stories poured in? You know, I think to date, I'd have to look. Uh, I think today we've got you know, over maybe eight hundred, mm. um, and some of them are some of them are just short. Thank you, Billy Graham, for you know just encouraging me through difficult years. And other stories are, you know, there's one I remember in particular, uh, a uh, young lady who was, uh, had a really tough life, and she finally made the decision one night to uh, to end her life, mm. and she recalls uh, literally getting off the couch stepping on the remote control to the television, and the channel uh, switching to a Billy Graham crusade. And she says, I heard a distinct voice I'd never heard before, and I sat back down on the couch to listen, and that night is the night I encountered uh, Jesus. Um, and she's writing this 20, 25 years later. Uh, so just, just across the board, pretty amazing stories. But ultimately, what we have seen as I read through all of these stories is the one the one common thread that runs through all of these stories is the hand of God and how God uh, can pursue all types of people from all walks of life, rich or poor, it doesn't matter, and how just amazingly he brings them to himself uh, through, um, through some, some pretty amazing circumstances. What does your grandfather think of the book? You know, uh, we've talked to him about it. Uh, he's at an age at this point in time, which is really one of my regrets that I I can't sit and read him the book. Uh, just very difficult for him to even hear. But um, naturally, Daddy Bill's response uh, when we tell him about the book was, well, why would you do a book about me? <laughs> and so 
uh, we've been able to share with him actually, Daddy Bill, it's, it's more about the uh, about the God of Billy Graham than Billy Graham, and uh, that makes him feel a little bit more comfortable about the subject matter of the book. Who is the Billy Graham you know, Boz, and we don't? You know, uh, there's there's one part that I would say that the Billy Graham I know is the Billy Graham the world knows. It's the same person. It's the same person behind the camera as it is in front of the camera. I've been in the room with my grandfather uh, at home. Within five to ten minutes, we'll get the president of the United States on the phone, speak to him, hang the phone up, and go pull the chair out for the the person who, who used to help them cook meals at the house and have her join them for, for dinner. Uh, just really authentic humility. Um, I probably saw it, obviously, in a more personal way than a lot of people because I spent a lot of time with him. But ultimately, I think if I was to, to look back on my grandfather's life and, and what I observed, what I observed is a man who, who shared publicly that it's all about Jesus, and it's not about your, your performance, it's not about your achievements, uh, it's about the performance of Jesus and his achievement on our behalf. And because of that, uh, we can we can be humble. It can be all about God. And here's a man that I, uh, time and time again, witnessed live that out. Uh, a person who was always pointing not to himself, but to Christ. And I, I think in a day and age, quite frankly, Pat, where even within the Christian world, uh, we have sort of these Christian VIPs where... You know, the more known you get, the more Twitter followers you have, um, sometimes God becomes smaller and you become bigger. And one of the things I just relish about my, my relationship with Daddy Bill was as he got older and he, even as he got more known and, and more influential, uh, he, at least in his own mind, he got smaller and God got bigger. And I, I think that's probably the way it should be. Tell me about your grandmother. Tete, which we called her Tete, Ruth. Uh, Tete means um, old woman in Chinese. Uh, I'm not sure why we're calling my grandmother old woman, but I think <laughs> it's probably uh, something she asked us to do. But um, Tete was just an amazing person. She had a very difficult life. You know, a lot of people don't realize that, that he would be gone sometimes weeks, sometimes months on end. It five children. Uh, she oftentimes was a, uh, you know, basically a, a single parent raising these five children uh, for a greater purpose. But she also had an incredible uh, wit about her. Um, she she said, uh, just just I just remember little things that they would say. You just look back and laugh. I mean, she said one day she had stopped submitting and started to outwitting my grandfather. Um, <laughs> you know, just that uh, they had a great sense of humor. She would uh, remember one time uh, them telling us they had a guest up at the house, and one of my grandfather's assistants was up there, and they, she served soup to everybody. But in in his soup, she put tadpoles. <laughs> uh, and, you know, of course, this guy didn't know what to do if he should say something, if he should eat the soup. Uh, again, that's just the, the personality, just witty, very sharp, incredibly godly person. I think my grandfather would probably say that Tite was the theologian in the family. Uh, I remember coming up to Tite, visiting Tite probably six to eight months before she passed away, and she was sitting in bed, and she was reading this notebook. And in the notebook was this really large font. I mean, I, I can't even tell you. I mean, it was huge font. And I said, Tite, what are you reading? And she said, well, I asked them to print out for me the Book of Psalms in a really large font because um, when, I, when I can't see anymore, I want to be able to have memorized as much as I could so I can remember these psalms. And I remember thinking, wow, mm. here's an 80-some-year-old woman, the wife of Billy Graham, a woman that people would think, man, this, this is a great, holy, spiritual woman. She doesn't need to do any more of this. And what is she doing? She's still thirsting after God's Word, even at that age. And that, to me, thought, wow, this is real. This is the real deal. And uh, that... Uh, those are moments that will stay for with me for a lifetime. What was their marriage like? What was their relationship like? Uh, you know, from my vantage point as a, as a grandchild, uh, I thought their marriage was just very real. I thought they had a they had, they loved being with each other. They loved traveling with each other when she could. As, as the kids got older, she would travel with him more. Uh, but they were also very very different. She actually loved you know even though she loved traveling with him, she loved staying at home. She loved North Carolina. My grandfather loved Florida. Um, but again, they, when I saw them, uh, as a child throughout my years, uh, they were, uh, unless he was traveling, uh, they were always together. Uh, they, they had struggles like any, uh, family does. They had struggles with their children. Uh, they had struggles with, at times with each other. I just think one of the things I recall about their marriage is that it was just authentic. And I think sometimes in the Christian world, especially when people become well-known in the Christian world, 
uh, we sort of put on this facade that everything is one way when in fact it's not. And uh, and I never got that sense from them. They were never uh, a couple that you know said we got to look really good in front of everybody so everybody thinks we've got the, the perfect uh, home and we have it all together. In fact, that's really so contrary to the gospel, which says that we don't have it together, and that's exactly why we need somebody who does Jesus. And so they live that out uh, well. And I just I just had wonderful memories of both of them visiting us since my grandfather loved Florida. They would. Uh, come down to Florida for holidays, so we I think we got probably a little bit more time with them than some of the other cousins, just because we had palm trees in our backyard and they didn't. But <laughs> just uh, just a wonderful time together and a great um, for me, great models as, as a married couple. Again, a great model doesn't mean perfect. A great model means it's messy, and uh, and it's a messiness that's real, and there's acknowledgement of that, and uh, and Christ being the center of that. Um, so yeah, great. Great models for me as I've uh, moved forward in my life and have my own family. Um, before we get back to the book, Boz, and uh, Boz Tavigian is with us, one of the three uh, grandchildren of Billy Graham who have put this book out. Thank you, Billy Graham. A tribute to the life and ministry of Billy Graham. Shiloh is the publisher, and it's a, it's a terrific book. And uh, the stories and the anecdotes are, are uh, astounding, really. Uh, tell me about Liberty University. Uh, you're... Uh, up there with the uh, and teaching at the Liberty University School of Law. Tell me about that school. What's going on up there? Wow, this uh, this was a, an amazing place up here. Um, I didn't know a lot about Liberty until I came up here and uh, thought it was going to be a small Christian college and got here and realized that there. Uh, when I came, I think about uh, nine thousand on on campus. I think now we're up to twelve thousand on campus. It's exploding. It's one of the only schools that I know of in the country, secular or Christian, that is actually exploding. That's actually building. They're actually rebuilding the entire campus. It's like one giant construction site. I've, I've talked to some friends who brought their kids to a bunch of Ivy League schools in the last six months about, you know, looking to colleges, and they said of all the schools that we visited, and we visited, you know, half a dozen Ivy League schools, all these, some Christian schools, and went to Liberty. This is the only school where you see, is, see growth, and, and growth in a real substantive way. So it's a, it's a neat place. I I tell folks, if you want to go to a Christian school that's as much like a state university as possible, then come to Liberty. If you want to go, in, if you want to, go to a Christian school that's a small liberal arts college, don't go to Liberty. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when you walk into the campus of Liberty, you really think you're, you're on a large university campus, and in fact, you are. And, um, and so it's, as a result of that, uh, just, it's attracting uh, students from around the world, and we've got a, I teach at the law school. A law school started in 2004. Uh, just amazing for me to to be able to train and equip uh, young people who actually want to go out and practice law with sort of a gospel-centered perspective. Gives me hope for future lawyers. Mm. Um, but uh, they're starting a medical school in uh, in the fall. Uh, so it's just a it's a pretty amazing. I tell people that you know a lot of times they they have you know well-known speakers come up for convocation, and more often than not. What I hear is that they were so shocked when they got on campus because it was not what they expected. Mm-hmm. And um, just a, been a fun place to, to be at. How is the late Jerry Falwell remembered? Well, here he's remembered very, uh, very well. Um, you know, on campus, one of the things you learn about uh, Dr. Falwell was that he never forgot a name. And if he met a student and saw that student six months later sitting on a bench, uh, he would walk up to that student. Um, and call him out by name and, and chat with him. He was a he was a jokester. Uh, you know, he was known to drive around campus with his, in his big black uh, SUV, a suburban, and get right behind students and honk the horn as loud as he could. Uh, so, just a, a person who loved people, and that's really evident in the uh, in the campus. Even though he's been gone since 2007, uh, there's still uh, that um, that environment on campus is, is one that where you know people come first. And, uh, and the love of people uh, is incredibly important. So I'm, I'm glad that that aspect of his character has carried it forward uh, with uh, the leadership under his son. Where is Liberty University headed athletically, Boz? Jerry Falwell always wanted the, the big time, didn't he? He did, and this, this is where I'll show my ignorance, because uh, my knowledge of ath- uh, athletics is minimal, except I do like tennis. Uh, but I do, I will tell you that... Uh, that uh, Football-wise, uh, growth, incredible. They just added to the stadium two years ago. I know that they're looking at changing um, uh, changing conferences to be able to start playing some larger schools. Uh, they just built this past year an absolutely gorgeous 
uh, baseball stadium. Mm. I went to the first game about uh, about a month ago. Uh, just it's just beautiful. Um, they've got a they've got a club hockey team uh, that oftentimes plays some of the really good schools around the country and go watch hockey. And then we've got, of course, uh, uh, the the ski slope on campus, which is um, quite an amazing place. You can ski all year round. Uh, Boz Davidian is our guest. we got to take a break, Boz. Stay with us. It's the Pat Williams Saturday Evening Power Hour, AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Police called and broke the bad news to Charles. His personal and financial information was found on an identity thief's computer disk. Nervous and confused, Charles called LifeLock, the industry leader in identity theft protection. LifeLock went into action, uncovering multiple fraudulent credit applications the identity thief was trying to open in his name. LifeLock shut them down and helped him restore his good name and credit. Charles found out the hard way that identity theft is a global crime, a crime that's become so complex you simply can't fight it alone. Your personal and financial information is everywhere. Don't wait for a call from the police before you take action. Visit LifeLock.com now or call and mention promo code AWARE to get a special 10% discount. Call 1-800-838-6010. 800-838-6010. 800-838-6010. See LifeLock.com for details. Network does not cover all transactions and scope may vary. Hello, this is John Butler Book, and I want to cordially invite you to listen to my radio talk show every Sunday evening from 8 to 9 p.m. You won't have to bring a loaf of bread or a jar of mayonnaise with you because we're not going to hand you any bologna. Just the meat of the word, the water of life. A page from the book, John Butler Book, right here on new 950 WTLN every Sunday night from 8 to 9 p.m. I want to hear from you. Pick up the phone and call us. Exercise your First Amendment rights right away. Here's what the students are saying about Reformation Bible College. The thing I most enjoy about RBC are the professors. Very godly men. They're very personable, invested in training you in Scripture, but also training how to live that as well. It's being called one of the best Bible colleges in the country, conveniently located in Sanford. And for a limited time, your son, daughter, grandson, or granddaughter can attend RBC for half the normal tuition. Find out more by visiting WTLN.com or by calling 407 682 You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Buzz Tavigian, uh, one of Billy Graham's grandsons, uh, is our guest. Uh, Three of the grandchildren put together a book called Thank You, Billy Graham, a tribute to the life and ministry of Billy Graham, uh, packed with stories and anecdotes and memories of people who were touched and influenced by the ministry of Dr. Billy Graham. Uh, Boz, this is uh, an interesting question, I think. Uh, Adversity in the family. We all know about Franklin's problems, you know, and all of his difficulties. One of your brothers uh, went off the deep end for a while, and he's talked openly about all that. Uh, How did your grandparents handle all that? You know, from my observations, um, my grandparents uh, really demonstrated authentic grace in a really powerful way. Mm -hmm. And that is, though they had rules in the house, and I know that there were times it was excruciatingly difficult, especially for my grandmother, and especially dealing with Franklin when he was a, a young man. Um, there was something that was always very clearly communicated to their children. And and even I remember Tully and my brother, who you mentioned, uh, yeah. having this communicated to him, even by them, and that was that they loved them, that there was nothing they could say or do that would alter the love they have for their children and their grandchildren. And that doesn't mean that they didn't create some boundaries, but at the same time, what it meant was that I don't care how low you got as, as a child, as a, as a rebellious child, uh, you always knew that dad or mom or daddy don't or tippet loved you and would, would welcome you with open arms anytime they saw you. And I, I think it's a powerful picture of God's grace. Uh, God's grace is, extends beyond anything we could ever say or do or any act that we could ever commit, and knowing that God loves us regardless of that, 
actually draws us to him rather than propels us away. And I think we've seen that in the life of uh, of many of the family members, uh, Franklin obviously being the, the most obvious. You know, that love didn't push Franklin away from God. Ultimately, that, that unconditional grace and unconditional love from our grandparents uh, eventually drew him back. And I think it's a great illustration and a great example for, you know, I'm a, I'm a parent now of three children and trying to learn that, trying to learn that balance of, of you know, wanting my kids to always know that, that it doesn't matter. I will always, always, always love them, and I will always embrace them. Um, and how that gets balanced with, you know, rebellion. And how do we respond to that in a, in a way that uh, doesn't facilitate or enable it, but at the same time always communicates that incredible, powerful love. And so they did that uh, well. I think they would probably be the first ones to say that they, they didn't think they did it very well. But I'm now seeing years later, seeing the... the the results of that, and, and I, you know, I think they did a pretty good job. How many great grandchildren does Billy Graham have? Oh man! Now you're. Uh, I have no clue. We have. <laughs> I think just in our family, because we, we've got seven kids. I think just in our family, we've got. I don't know, sixteen or eighteen. Uh, so I don't know. Probably in the twenties or thirties. That's terrible. I should know that, but isn't that I fa- had time to count? Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? <laughs> and. Uh, and, and, and does Billy? Billy's aware of them, I guess. I guess it would be hard for him to see them, see them all. Yeah, you know, every family. You know, I'm trying to think. The last time we were all together was probably his 90th birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, so some were um, there more recently, but oftentimes our time with with Daddy Bill, even now, is just as a family. So, for example, after Christmas, uh, instead of coming straight back to Lynchburg. We went up to uh, to Montreat outside of Asheville and, and spent uh, the night at my grandfather's house and just spent time with him, mm-hmm. the family. And I've loved the fact that uh, my children uh, have been able to know their great grandfather and that he has been able to know them. Mm. I just know that's very unusual, and that's a gift that I'm just so grateful to God for. That they will, my kids will always have the memory of those moments with Daddy Bill, and for me as a father to see that uh, is I'm just incredibly grateful for that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Tell me about the the Billy Graham Museum in Charlotte, Boz. It's a great place. You know, I, I tell my kids, I said, you know, not everybody has a place they can go and, and see a museum of their great-grandfather. Uh, <laughs> I said, but you do, and it's pretty amazing. Uh, I would encourage any listener, if they're up in the Charlotte area, to go and visit the library. It's, it, it you know, can take you anywhere as quick as an hour. To, you could probably make three or four hours out of it. Um, but ultimately... It's amazing, because what they did was they were able to really follow the life and ministry of my grandfather. But when you walk out of that museum, you do not you do not feel like it's just been all about Billy Graham. In fact, when you walk out of the museum, it's just very clear that this is all about Christ. And it's just the way my grandfather would want it, because I know when they first started talking about doing this library, uh, he was really uncomfortable with it, because the fact of building a library sort of in honor of his life was not something that he approved of. And and ultimately, when he was able to understand that actually this library is ultimately in honor of, again, the God of Billy Graham, and that it actually came out just like that, uh, it just makes the place really special. Because when you leave that place, you have encountered, yeah, you've encountered the life of Billy Graham, but you've encountered the gospel. And there's no way anybody can't leave that uh, library without having not encountered the gospel and asking themselves some really uh, serious, eternal questions. Boz Tavidjian, grandson of Billy Graham, is our guest. We're talking about his book. Thank you, Billy Graham. What is a typical day like for Dr. Graham now, Boz? Oh, you know, he's, he is, um, <laughs> he's got 24-hour care. He's up at the house. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say in the last six months, um, he's, his vital signs are, are very strong, but he's, he's very fragile. He sleeps a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll get visitors once in a while now. I think we've basically limited to just family who will come and visit. Uh, to be honest with you, Pat, we didn't think at Christmas that he would be uh, with us right now. And uh, like Daddy Bill always does, he surprises us. And here we are in, in May, and he's still with us. In fact, I was talking to my mom the other day, and she said, well, he's actually gotten a little stronger. Mm. So I uh, last time I saw him, I told him that he was like Benjamin Button. He just keeps getting younger and younger. <laughs> but um, just uh, so very, you know, just a very simple life as of right now, just resting a lot, just, you know, family coming by, just talking with them, holding his hand, uh, and just, you know, just being with them. Not, we're not having any great substantive conversations. 
generally fairly quiet, but he knows exactly what's going on around them. You can tell that through uh, different conversations. So we just, I think right now we're just in the phase of just treasuring the moments we have with him, knowing that, uh, you know, it's not going to be long before uh, he uh, is in the presence of Jesus. And and I get the sense, just from what I read, Boz, that uh, if, he, if he could do a, a powerful sermon in Madison Square Garden in New York, uh, he'd do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> oh man, that's that is that is still his passion, and I uh, I think that's ultimately you know with the My Hope special that came out a few months ago, um, I think that's how he looked at you know that was his sort of Madison Square Garden moment towards the end of his life, which was uh, I would like at least one other opportunity to share the gospel, mm. and uh, and they did. I uh, of course I'm biased, but I, I think they did just a fantastic job in, in allowing him to powerfully share the gospel while interweaving that with the testimonies of, of some uh, the, of those in the younger generation. So I was thrilled that he had that opportunity, because I know he'd been really thinking and praying and counting on doing that for a long time. The fact that God was kind enough to allow him to do that was just a, just an awesome thing to see. Buzz, uh, we got about a minute or so here, a minute and a half. Uh, what do you want people to take from this new book? You know, Pat, I, I want people to buy this book, give it to friends, give it to family members, um, because I think this is a great book that you can give to people about a you know one of the last giants of the 20th century. But as they read that book, though they may be reading about Billy Graham, what they're going to encounter is the living God. And so I think this book is actually a tremendous ministry tool, especially to those who may not read, you know, if you give them a Christian book or a Bible, may not open it up. If you give them a book about Billy Graham and just ask them to read these stories, the stories are fascinating. And perfectly at the end of the day, God will use this book to transform lives. Well, I'm so glad that we could visit, Boz. And uh, we talked about this book. We talked about your work up at uh, Liberty University. Uh, we, we covered the waterfront here today. And uh, I'm so glad that we could do it. And congratulations on this book. I've poured through it, and uh, it's, it's a powerful work. So, Well, Pat, I appreciate it. And as someone who just moved a few years ago from the land of Florida, it's thrilling to... Uh, be on a radio show with somebody out of Orlando. Thank you for the invite. <laughs> That's beautiful, Boz. Boz Tavigian, our guest. We've got a wrap-up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Evening Power Hour. It's AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Got pain? Get Zim's Max Freeze. Zim's Max Freeze, maximum muscle and joint pain relief. Your solution for temporary relief of aches and pains. Zim's Max Freeze knows your pain and relieves backache, strains, bruises, and sprains. If you're a senior, weekend warrior, or seasoned athlete, get Zim's Max Freeze. Zim's Max Freeze is fast-acting and deep-penetrating with no lingering odor. Available at all major retailers. Listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Thank you so much for joining us here on the uh, Power Hour. Uh, we look forward to our visits with you every weekend. Uh, Lance Easley was our first guest, the substitute ref, you might remember from the 2012 season, uh, his book called Making the Call. And then Boz Tavigian, uh, one of Billy Graham's grandchildren, uh, was with us uh, talking about their new book, Thank You, Billy Graham. Uh, my latest book is out. It's called The Mission is Remission, Hope for Battling Cancer. It's in bookstores now and uh, up on Amazon.com as well. In the meantime, uh, have a wonderful, wonderful uh, day tomorrow with your family in church and then... Uh, Head into this new week, and uh, hope it's a good one for you. And then we'll be back next weekend. We do this every weekend on AM 950 WTLN. It's called the Pat Williams Saturday Evening Power Hour. And we always are privileged uh, when you tune in and join us. So, all the best to you. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason. The new 950 WTLN. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.